0: Welcome to New Hope and the teaching ministry of Pastor Randy Rainwater. Today, Grace Lanier lead pastor Lee Lopez brings the message. And so when Jesus is saying, don't worry, what he's really saying is for us not to allow anything to come and compete and divide and come between what God has for our life and whatever the world is offering. Why do we worry? In today's message entitled, Anxious for Nothing, Pastor Lee takes us to Luke chapter 12. Here's Pastor Lee. We just thank you for your servant, Lee, and we pray that the words he speaks this morning could just touch our hearts and and this truth could resonate, not just in this room, but in our marriages, in our homes, in our communities, God, that, that you would move through what we hear this morning. So we thank you for bringing all these people here together this morning to praise you. And in your name we say, amen. Amen. Thank you so much, Sarah. Can we give it up for the Lord one more time? Yes. And you can be seated. It's uh, an honor to be back here with you guys. This feels like a second home to me. Uh, Like Sarah shared, I was here with the youth group a few years ago and got the privilege to be with a lot of them when they were actually not taller than I was. Most of the students that I got to interact with were probably like this tall, and now I see them, and they're like six foot one. Um, They must be putting something in the milk or something, Anyway, like I said, it's a privilege for me to be here. If you don't know me, my name is Lee Lopez. And I uh, just want to go ahead and get started. I always get so excited about the Word of God. If you would open up your Bible, and if you need a Bible, would you raise your hand? And Oh, actually, no, no, yes, maybe? Okay, use your phone uh, if you don't have your Bible. Um, but if you would open up your Bible to Luke chapter 12, verse 22. Luke chapter 12, verse 22. And once you get there, just give me an amen so that I know you're ready. Luke chapter 12, verse 22. And it says, this is Jesus. He said to his disciples, therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, not about your body, what you will put on. For life is more than food and the body more than clothing. Consider the ravens. They neither sow nor reap. They have neither storehouse nor barn, and yet God feeds them. Of how much more value are you than the birds? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? If then you are not able to do as small a thing as that, why are you anxious about the rest? Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass, which is alive in the fields today and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O you of little faith? And do not seek what you are to eat and what you are to drink, nor be worried. For all the nations of the world seek after these things, and your Father knows that you need them. Instead, seek his kingdom, and these things will be added to you. Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. It is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. I want to talk to you this morning about being anxious for nothing. Being anxious for nothing. If you look at the original construct of this passage, and you study in the Greek language, what Jesus is saying when he says, do not be anxious, is not a suggestion. He's not suggesting you shouldn't be anxious, or he's not... um, Advising that you shouldn't be anxious. If you look at it in the Greek, this is actually a command. It's imperative. You must not be anxious. The best way I can explain it to you is um, when you get married and after the preacher says, now vested in me by the power of uh, the state, I declare you Husband and wife, it's a declaration, it's a command. It's not a question, it's not a suggestion. So Jesus is saying, in view of all these things, I declare to you, do not be anxious. Do not worry. Why is it that we worry? What is the thing that causes anxiety in our life? Again, I think that we must look deeper into the passage and the meaning of the word in the passage. In the Greek, at its most basic level, this word used in the passage means to be divided in your desires. To be divided in your desires. It literally means to be torn into two so at its best anxiety begins to surface when we are torn apart when we are divided when there is a conflict in our life between two things when we have divided loyalties when we begin to serve two masters and so when jesus is saying don't worry what he's really saying is for us not to allow anything to come and compete and divide and come between what God has for our life and whatever the world is offering. And you see how this is completely different than taking anxiety as a sin that we must never encounter or touch because the reality of life is that there's going to be stuff that worries us. And actually, I truly believe that God is not calling us into this utopia or this heavenly dream where there's no worry. I think there's things we need to worry about. I think we need to worry about the Propaganda that's being placed in our children. We need to worry about the way our children are raised up. We need to worry about the way we treat one another. We need to worry about the way we love one another. We need to care about injustice in the world. We need to care about what's happening around us. Matter of fact, I believe it's biblical. Jesus said himself, in this world, you will encounter what? Trouble. In this world, you will encounter trouble. But take heart, for I have overcome the world. So what I'm trying to say to you is that it's natural to feel uncertainty. But don't let uncertainty fill you. It's natural to be in crisis, but don't let crisis control you. It's natural to be in messy situations. There's going to be messes in your life, but don't let the messes in your life manage your decisions. It's natural to have concerns, but don't let the concerns overwhelm you. Don't let the situations in your life tear you apart. Divide you in your focus towards what God has for you. Because that's when anxiety becomes wrong. So, in other words, care, don't despair. Care, don't despair. Why? Because, matter of fact, all these things, all these things shall pass. Maybe you are undergoing a season of storms. Maybe right now you're going through some of the most difficult things you've ever faced in your life. But this too shall pass. Somebody say it. Proclaim it. This too shall pass. Say it with faith. This too shall pass. You see, at the other side of every storm, there is calm. After winter, there always comes spring. After every valley, there's always a mountaintop. Even deserts have oasises, if that's even a word. But we're going to make it a word tonight, this morning. But this too shall pass. Don't make your tent. Don't make your house in the middle of the storm. Don't camp there. This too shall pass. I want us to see what Jesus says. He says, consider the lilies. Consider the lilies. How do you overcome worry? How do you overcome anxiety? Consider the lilies. Consider God's handiwork. Consider all the things that he's made. Consider the fact that the sun rises every day from the same position and falls down every day in the same position, east to west, by one command of the Lord. Never repeat it again. One command was enough for the sun to rise up, for the moon to rise up, for the stars to be in place. One command God is in control consider the lilies consider the handiwork of god replace your worry for worship when you consider the work that god has done anybody is an outside person when i go outside and i look at the waterfalls and i look at the trees and i look at the mountains there's nothing else that i can do but worship god Consider the handiwork of God, not only in nature. Consider the handiwork of God in your life. Consider how He's taken you away from things, how He's kept you, how He's healed you, how He's protected you, how He's guided you. Consider the handiwork of God in your life. He's not left you alone, He's been your fortress. He's been your mountain. He's been your giant killer. He's been your healer. He's been your comfort. Consider the handiwork of God. Change worry into worship. Consider even the small things. I think the reason why some of us stumble into worry is because We stop considering the small things. The lilies represent the small things. The things that we might overlook. Consider the fact that you got up this morning. That you are able to breathe without the aid of something. That you're able to walk. That you're able to see. That you're able to hear. That you're able to experience things with your children. Some people don't have that luxury. Consider the small things that you take for granted. The fact that you have a car. The fact that you're not being bombed day and night. Consider the small things in your life. Yes. Consider the small things in your life. And you see, as you begin to do these things... You will enter into this very special place, this catalytic space of being a Christian. I think this is one of the most important things that Christians need to adopt if it's not in their life or need to enhance if it's in their life already. And that is we need to have a grat- an attitude of gratitude. We need to have an attitude of gratitude. This is how you overcome worry. You think about what God has done, and then you're grateful for it. When was the last time you just said, thank you, God? Thank you, God. When was the last time you had an attitude of gratitude. Let me tell you something. If you don't incorporate this in your life, you'll never reach the next step God has for you. You will never reach the next step God has for you in your career, in your family, as a person, in your personal life. You will never reach your next step unless you adopt an attitude of gratitude. Why? Because you can never go to what's next until you're thankful for. For what you have now. You can never go to what's next until you're thankful for what you have now. Why? Because you can never learn from now until you're grateful for it. You will never learn. From what God is doing in your life right now until you are grateful for it. No matter how destructive, no matter how strange, no matter how how much you can't understand it. When you begin to be grateful about your situations, even as they are oblique, even as they are dark, even as they are just, you're not able to understand them. Something happens to your soul. There is a catalyst that begins to happen in your life as you become grateful. Why? Because as you have this attitude of gratitude, there's no room for grudges. There's no room for pettiness. There's no room for hate. There's no room for CNN or Fox. There's no room for the little things. There's no room for that. You're too busy being grateful. You're too busy focused in the purpose that God has placed in your life. The noise is not going to distract you. What everybody else thinks is not going to deviate your path. But when you're grateful, you align yourself with God. God is looking for grateful people this morning. My wife is a cardiac nurse at Eggleston. And she works at the step-down unit. She gets to see a lot of little kids and their parents come in just being just so sick. And she was telling me the case of a parent that was there and her 10-month-old was going to get a heart transplant. 10-month-old month was going to get a heart transplant transplant. She was telling me that as they were taking her, she began to see the mom, and usually parents, when their kids are getting surgery done, they just cry, they begin to lose it. They just are, are just overwhelmed by, by, by the anxiety, by the worry. I mean, this is life-threatening surgery. And he said, my wife said to me, this woman was different. And I wanted to know why. And so her and a friend go and talk to her. Kind of to alleviate and, and, and calm her down. Even though she was calmer than they were. But here's the thing. This is, this is what my wife said. And I, I will never forget this. She said, you know, I think I should be more anxious about this situation, but I'm just grateful that my daughter gets a second chance, that there's another heart that was found and given to her. You know, sometimes things don't go right, even as a Christian. Sometimes things fall apart, even as a Christian. And sometimes the only thing we can be thankful for as we wake up in the morning should be, Lord, thank you that you gave me a second chance. Thank you that I have the opportunity of a new heart. Thank you that I have the opportunity of knowing you. And I guarantee you, if you take that mindset, it will change your day. It will change your month. It will change your life. And not only that, because the Christian life is not only about you. Like this lady, it will change other people around you. People will start saying, there's something different about this person. Some of the most grateful people are people that are enduring the most unimaginable, unimaginable hardships in their life. And that is a testament Of the goodness of God. Paul. As he was beaten. Thrown unjustly into jail. The Bible says. Begins to sing hymns. It's only when we're grateful and we change our worry into worship that life begins to shake. And the Bible tells us that the jail cells begin to open and they were able to go out. You want freedom? You want the jail cells of your life to be broken? You want your life to be shaken? Begin to be grateful and begin to praise God. Amen? That's worth an applause to our Lord. That's all we got to do. We don't even have to sing right. All we got to do is be grateful. Everybody qualifies. No matter how good or bad your story is, everybody qualifies. We got to learn the art of rest. We got to learn the art of rest. This one, this one's hard especially here in this country this is this one's hard because we have been taught that the more we work the more we reach out the more we focus the further we're going to get but be careful i believe in working hard but be careful Learn the art of rest. I think some of us, in order to get worry out of our life, some of us just need a good night's sleep. Stop scrolling down Facebook or Instagram or, uh, you know, TikTok. I don't have any of these things. I just heard, you know. Uh, But but I'm telling you, TikTok has the algorithm of hell. Like, it's just, I, I had to delete that thing. But some of us need to stop watching Netflix or doing whatever we're doing that, keep, that keeps us up at night and replace that for a little bit of Bible reading, a little bit of prayer, a little bit of time on our knees. Get a good night's sleep. You know, the word says, and Jesus said that we ought to love our God, the Lord our God, with all our heart, with all our mind, with all our strength, with all our soul. So there's different components in our life by which we get to love our God. I think a lot of people just feed their mind. They have a lot of knowledge of the word. And again, those things are not bad. But if that's the only thing you have, you're in disbalance. And maybe you got the rest of them right, but your body's just a mess. You're in unbalance. Balance your life out. Go get a run. Get on a bike. Enjoy outside. Maybe after pollen season, but enjoy it. (laughs) Worship the Lord your God with all your soul, all your mind, all your heart, all your strength. Have a balance in your life. Have a balance in your life. Seek first the kingdom. That's what Jesus says at the very end of this passage. Seek first the kingdom. You get what you seek. Just as simple as that. In your life, you are going to get what you seek after. And we can sit down here and we can say, we're seeking after the Lord But the reality is, whatever you give your time to, that's what you're seeking after. Whatever is taking your mental space day after day, that's what you're giving your life to. We have an idea of what it means to seek the kingdom. And I think most of us start by seeking the kingdom, but we end up finding ourselves And sadly, the kingdom of God becomes about us, how far we're going to get, how much we're going to get from him, what we need for him to do. And be careful when you do that, because I just want to be honest, first with myself, but then with all of us, the kingdom of God is not about us. We get to be a part of it. And it's lived out through us. But it's not about us. It's about him. And what he wants to do in our life. The last few years have been probably some of the most difficult years of my life. As mentioned here, I used to be part of this awesome church. And then I felt a calling by the Lord to step into what God had next. And in my mind, I'm a very positive guy. In my mind, I was like, yes, Lord, you're going to move in power, and he has. But it was going to be completely different. I did not expect, and it was not in my plans to have a two-year-plus world pandemic (laughs) as we were starting a church plan. As soon as we were able to actually start meeting on a regular basis, boom, COVID hits. You can't meet. How do you start a church when you can't meet? But it was it has been some of the most difficult years of my life. I've honestly gotten a PhD on overcoming worry. Sleepless nights I never understood this, and and Randy would always talk to me about this or a degree of this, and this is not the way he would put it. This is the way I put it, but I began to understand how feeling betrayed felt like. People that I thought were going to be with me through years, Ministry, people that I poured into, that I called, that I prayed for, and out of nowhere, gone. And I never understood that. And that brings something heavy because you start thinking, is it me? Is it am I doing something wrong? What's going on? You start second-guessing yourself. At times you begin to feel like you're a failure. You feel alone. You don't know what's next. And your family is the first one to pay for it. Very difficult. But I think sometimes these things, are required to happen in our lives so that we can have a deeper understanding of who God is and who we are. And so if you haven't gotten anything from my message, get this. If you're going through a time where anxiety is a reality in your life, a time where you feel alone, a time where you feel like you don't know what the next step is, a time where you feel lost, It's okay. It's okay. God sees you. And as I was going through these hardships, and, and I'm able to tell it now, but when I was going through it, I would just cry. But then the Lord took me to the scriptures. You know, problems can take you to prayer or despair. You choose. And as I began to pray, The Lord took me to Joseph, and he said, how do you think he felt? Betrayed by his brothers. Was faithful, yet was thrown into jail. Thirteen years, he had to wait for my promise to become a reality. Think about David anointed at 15, 15 years of serving the king and then being persecuted by him. But that's where, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Your staff and your rod, they comfort me. You take me to the green pastures. You see, it's in those moments of worry. It's in those moments of anguish. It's in those moments that you don't understand what's next. That God comes and says, I'm here. Think about Abraham. 25 years since the promise of a son until the son think about jesus 30 years until he could come about into his ministry and only to what be crucified after three years if you are in a place of despair if you're in a place of not understanding you are in good company You're not too far gone for God. And I'm going to try to keep it together for this next story. But there was a time where people were just leaving. We went from meeting every week to now meeting once a month. And probably seven families decided to leave. I was like, God. God. What's going on? And I remember being at my kitchen table and I said, I don't know what else to do, God. But if this is from you, if this is from you, I'm going to wait on you. In 30 seconds to a minute after I made that prayer. There was a Venmo. I open up the Venmo. I look. And it's from a lady. I have no idea who she is. No idea whatsoever. And in the Venmo, there's a large amount of money. And to tell you the truth, the first thing I said to myself is that this Russian hackers. (laughs) But I saw that, and it wasn't the amount of money. I was overwhelmed because I felt like God was saying, look, you don't even know this person, but I see you. I see you, and I care. Don't let your situation dictate what you know about me. Don't let it. Don't let it. I'm not speaking only about my story. I'm speaking about your story. Don't let your situation dictate your faith. Because God will show up. It ends up that this lady was the mother of a young couple, a, a woman and a young couple that had just come to church who hadn't been at church for many years. Oh, our God is a good God. Learn to be content learn to be content with what you have and our God is a God of addition he says it is his good pleasure that the kingdom would be ours it is his good pleasure that the kingdom would be ours I just want you to close your eyes right now. And I want you to think about the things you're grateful for in your life. I want you to think about how In those times, those days where you felt like you were alone, I want God to reveal to you how He was there, how He is there, how He is present. And as we go into this next worship song, I just want you to praise God and take any worry any anxiety, any problems that are in your life, and give it to the only one who can handle them. So we pray that for your church in your precious name, in the name above all names, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening. I'm Myrna Brown.